Welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon, your twice-weekly podcast dedicated to celebrating the radio show-turned-podcast, Too Beautiful to Live. In Boston, Massachusetts, I am Bobby Pape, and joining me on this beautiful Sunday afternoon or morning, depending on where they are, starting in New Brighton, Minnesota, Miss Anne. Hello. Good afternoon, Bobby. Good afternoon. <laughs> and further west in Everett, Washington, Miss Christie. Good morning, Christie. Good morning, Bobby. We're going to run through some LRB business and things we must discuss, followed by your week in review, some housekeeping and how you can get involved with the show. But first, addressing the absences today, there's no Mike Frizzell and there's no Eminem on the show today. That is because Meredith and Duff and Eddie, their beautiful dog, are off helping Mike and Emily move from Austin, Texas to Kyle, Texas. That's your update in House Hunters, Texas. Uh, And that's a real shame because we're going to be talking a lot of Texas on this week's (laughs) review. (laughs) Not that either of them are real Texans. I think both of them are anomalies to Texas, but um, uh, at least geographically, they'd be able to help us out. But uh, we're going to be without them this week. Mike uh, is laid up in a foot cast with a broken foot watching people do all the heavy lifting. Uh, I imagine Duff is helping lead that charge and Meredith's helping lead that charge. And uh, Mike's main charge has been to take care of Eddie. (laughs) It's a rough job. It is a rough job. Oof. Dan, tell us where we are with Anne Has Friends. Well, Bobby, this week I have had another four friends after I put out my plea last week. So I am now plus 101 friends from my starting total of 98. So I have had a 103% increase. So I made it. You guys are so awesome. At what point do you start deleting the friends? Oh, I, I, I got to get a cushion first. Let's go for the cushion. But I would like to say a very special shout out. I love everybody, but a special shout out to Lane Stewart, who was my 100% friend. And she seems super cool. So I'm very happy about that. We do have a political season coming up. So that may be an opportunity. That's true. To get rid of some. <laughs> I just like the idea that your friend count is going to waver above and below 200, just like Luke Burbank. (laughs) That is not a fat joke. I am bigger than Luke could ever be. Um, My only update this week is, um, actually, I have two quick things. The first is that uh, I spent all of yesterday building a basketball hoop, like one of those portable ones. And I, it might be one of the hardest things I've ever done. There was an entire page of the instructions where all of the parts were labeled with acronyms that didn't match the rest of the booklet. <laughs> but this is my drive to be athletic. Sam got me a portable basketball hoop for my birthday back in January, and it's been sitting in the house waiting to be assembled ever since. So we finally got a nice weekend. And uh, if I'm huffing and puffing more than normal, it's because I'm... <laughs> licking my wounds between getting bruised up being beat up trying to assemble this giant thing and dumping 300 pounds of sand into it and (laughs) then having to go get the sand and lug it back and then acting like a kid shooting hoops for 45 minutes last night in the dark i don't know i i need to stick with this now that's going to be the hard part for me like i did this and i'm hoping i use it more than twice before i give up completely on it do it buy nothing come get it (laughs) exactly (laughs) Uh, also, I went to the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me taping on Thursday. Pictures of various people's shoes are available on the TBTL Extra page where they belong. And um, 
It was really great. I just listened on the drive-in this morning. I listened to the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me edited version. I never realized just how much they leave out of the show. So uh, I know some of our people are Wait, Wait people, and we have some Chicago listeners. But seriously, go to a taping if you haven't, uh, and you can if it comes to your town, because that was really cool. And um, the amount of technical issues they went through trying to tape that made me feel better about Little Red Bandwagon. <laughs> Because they had to retape like a ton of dialogue after the show to patch in a ton. Well, also, go if you're an audio nerd like you are. But if you want to go for a comedy show, you're going to be bored when they tell the same joke the third time. Yes, although it was kind of funny hearing them do their retakes in rapid fire succession. <laughs> um, uh, the hosts. Uh, Peter Sagal and uh, and Bill Curtis work off of iPads, and so they're getting updates on lines they need to reread, like by email as they're going. And at the end of the show, they just get this list of lines they need to reread, but they're completely out of context. And so hearing them like say one line and then pause and then fire off another line from 10 minutes later in the show and then a bunch from later on, it was comical the way they would just plow through them. Anyway, yeah, that's the commercial nobody needed, which was you should go see a wait, wait recording because none of you were aware of that before. <laughs> uh, with that, I think we'll go to our week in review. And Anne, you're going to start with Monday. I am. Monday was episode number 2115, Naked Japes. And we start by learning that Luke celebrated his birthday with Andrew and presumably a number of other people on <laughs> Lummy Island. He mentions a couple of gifts that he got, the Dyson V6 animal vacuum, which I believe we'll discuss in more detail tomorrow, so we can <laughs> look forward to vacuum talk. But the winner is the wooden boat calendar from 2012. <laughs> and I think he was trying to not say who gave it to him. Did he explicitly say it was his mom until Andrew... Um, busted that up he he said Susie and then I was like oh okay that makes sense <laughs> I don't think it would have been anyone else <laughs> yeah I just want to know was it a woohoo deal oh I'm sure <laughs> I can't imagine she's had it in the closet for four years so <laughs> it's probably a woohoo deal somewhere I need to know where she got this from so this makes me wonder what was the worst gift that either of you has received Oh, man, so many. Because I can tell you, when I was in college for Christmas, my mom gave me a, it was a hybrid between a backpack and a purse before backpack purses were a thing, because she was getting a little worried because I was, you know, 19 or 20, and I wasn't um, evidencing stereotypical female traits like I wasn't she was worried that I wasn't girly enough because oh. I didn't have a purse and I didn't wear a lot of makeup and I don't know what exactly she thought was going on but she thought she tries to ease me into womanhood with this purse <laughs> she got you a stepping stone purse a training purse <laughs> yes she did and there's a picture of me with an absolutely sort of befuddled look on my face when I opened it, because it wasn't something that I had any desire to have, and then she quietly took it back. <laughs> um, I have I have questions. She took it back. Why? She didn't like just because of the look on your face. She knew it wouldn't take. And yes. also, where is this picture? Oh, it's in the yes. family photo album somewhere. <laughs> I 
think we need to see We may it. need to work on that. We yeah. may need to see that picture. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. Um, um, I have a pretty bad... Um, my I, I was married before, and my mother-in-law was known for her terrible, terrible gifts. And um, one time she gave me a... Um, chicken soup for the cat lover soul calendar <laughs> i i don't love cats i didn't have any cats i don't know where it came from and then a, a bible from walmart so it would be one thing to gift someone for christmas like a family bible or something that matters you know a special one but this was just like you know king james walmart sealed in the plastic still with the price tag on it um, Bible where she didn't go to church. She knew we didn't go to church. Like it was the whole combination was really weird. Just in case Bible. I guess. <laughs> yeah. That's a, a, by the deathbed Bible. Um, I, um, so many to choose from. Uh, I'm going to avoid the gifts from my grandmother who through the years would just wrap things up around the house and give them to me, not out of, uh, senility, but out of, cheapness and a lack of caring um i will mention one we'll call this a runner-up um my grandmother always used to go in for those uh get rich quick schemes that you would find commercials for on tv and at one point she did this smg like sell shit out of our catalog in your online store business Mm -hmm. and so she would get a case of this merchandise as like samples but then the thing would fail, and she would just have this box full of samples. And one year, I definitely got um, an angel statue nightlight <laughs> that you put on your dresser so that God can find you in the dark. Yeah. Uh, Runner-up. Uh, but uh, worst gift, I think, an early Christmas. I was a, a late teenager, um, and my aunt, uh, who I love very much... Got me a 12-pack of floppy disks in different colors. They were neon colors, so like two bright orange, two bright pink, two bright green, two bright yellow. Uh, I missed a color there. Two bright blue, probably. Uh, and that was her, her gift to me because she thought, he likes computers. Was this one com- one floppy disk no. over? <laughs> it was, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was. Uh, oh, because I mean, the... if I was a teenager getting that, that would have been awesome. But I'm way older than you. <laughs> It was on the later edge of floppy disks being relevant. Where computers didn't even have the slot anymore. Yeah. We were evolving out of that. This, yeah, this was late teenage years. It was, I may have even, might have been the summer after I left for college. We were definitely pushing toward, it was CDR time. Okay. <laughs> and uh, that was her big gift to me. And that was one of those ones where you just have to smile and say yeah. thank you. <laughs> Um, I've lobbied many times for my immediate family to do like a Yankee swap or a white elephant instead of buying gifts for everyone because every year it turns into at least three or four people getting something like that because we just don't care or want to spend enough on each other. Yeah, it's just not worth it. Everyone should get everyone else one good gift. Yes. All right. Well, I guess it remains to be seen whether Luke can find some use for a 2012 wooden boat calendar oh, I don't have give a, it I, away I, I have a point there I, I looked it up that calendar will be accurate again in 2040 oh all yeah, right well then keep it yeah so just put it in the back of a cabinet somewhere remember that it's there label that, it use in 2040 that is a hoarder mentality right there 
so anyway, it was a good birthday, apparently. And he mentions that his family is big on verbal appreciation, but they don't always, quote unquote, show up. So they got into an interesting conversation about whose responsibility is it to cultivate the relationship between an adult child and their parents. And mm -hmm. Andrew says he thinks it's the child's responsibility. And I said, oh, crap, if that's the case, <laughs> I'm in trouble. <laughs> I don't know if that's the truth, but how often do you talk to your parents? Um, let's keep in mind the fact that I live about six minutes away from them. Mm -hmm. Maybe once every six weeks. And then how often do you see them in person? Maybe once every six weeks. Okay. And how about you, Bobby? Because my mom texts me a lot and because she usually wants or needs something from me. We probably trade messages once every week or two. Um, but because I live further away, I only see her a few times a year. Um, and I spend a fair amount of time deflecting her wanting to come visit me or asking when I'm going to come visit again. She was never a close, uh, lovey-dovey attached mom like that until the last few years, um, which corresponds with my management style for her which is keeping her at arm's length most of the time <laughs> i think she's catching on uh, uh what about you christy um well my dad i text all the time um and see him whenever possible and my mom see she, she lives here but i do the same thing we're actually currently trying to talk her into moving to idaho and with that talking up how when we see you, it will just be more quality time <laughs> and we'll just make a point to spend so many days with you if you just move. <laughs> so I actually saw them all yesterday because why have Mother's Day once when you can have it twice? And so <laughs> I saw them and did the same, spent most of the time trying to get away from her. <laughs> Does this mean Nerd Out Loud's going to be a day late again? <laughs> Possibly. Mostly because Jeremy is so sore, he can barely walk. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the top story of Monday, which is that the auction house Christie's, uh, no affiliation with Christie Wise, I assume. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Christie's auctioned a statue of Hitler called him for $17.2 million dollars. And I went and I looked at it, and it's a statue of Hitler on his knees, and they had a discussion of what the point of this art was and how it shows that Hitler was a person, I guess. Mm -hmm. Young Hitler had thoughts and feelings and dreams, and I was like, ugh, boring. I mean, this is not really a particularly revolutionary idea. I mm -hmm. thought it would be more interesting to talk about Hitler as the subject of art, since he was a failed artist, how would he feel about wanting to be an artist, but becoming the object of other people's arts? I don't know if there's anything there, but that was just going in my head. Mm. What I would rather talk about is potato art. Did you look at that one? Yes, I did. Because oh, I need to see Luke it. and Andrew, 
um, mentioned that there was one artwork that did not sell. And apparently, according to the news article I read, if everything sells in an auction, that's called a white glove sale. So like shooting the moon, this potato art prevented that. And it was potatoes on a wooden grid. And I could not find a picture of that particular um, piece, but I googled Sigmar Polka and potato art, and I came up with this ridiculous uh, art news website where they talked about another um, exhibition that he did with the potato house. Hmm. And I, if you see, I did put the link to that in the run sheet. And yeah, it's, I don't. Hmm? I don't buy art that I think I could make. <laughs> Out in the yard. I mean, this this potato house looks like um, somebody went to Home Depot and bought some lattice. Yeah, and, then, and just popped and some just potatoes on it. And then some potatoes to it. <laughs> and this whole article is about how after four to six weeks, the potatoes start to rot. So every day there are two museum employees who have to go through and examine all the potatoes. Uh, and see if they need to remove any and replace any of them. And if they do, the only stipulation is that they have to be as close to identical to the other potatoes as possible. Ugh, and um, annoying. I, I'm not one to say that because I don't understand something, that doesn't mean that it's not valid. You know, I respect mm-hmm. art and I respect artists. And one of my brothers is an artist, and I think he's very talented. But this is some world class BS. I got if you yeah. if you scroll down to the bottom of this article, there is another thing, another work called the apparatus whereby one potato can orbit another, or apparat mit dem eine Kartoffel eine andere umkreisen kann. That is just ridiculous. If if I may read the description. Uh, the artist affixed a motor to the seat of a wooden bar stool and connected a wire to the motor. He crudely attached a potato to the wire, allowing it to revolve in a circular motion when the motor is switched on. A second potato is placed on the ground so that the hanging potato can orbit around it like a middle school science fair solar system. This thing is so janky looking. <laughs> it's not even something that you would make with stuff from Home Depot. I can't believe anybody pays money for this stuff. I I work in the contemporary art world, in the music side of it, and I'm calling bullshit on this guy. (laughs) This is ridiculous. If somebody else has to go in and change out your potatoes, that's not even your art project anymore. That's just a board with a bunch of nails on it ready to hold some potatoes. Yeah, and why doesn't he just make the potatoes out of wood or something? Or is that the point? Um. Obviously, you appreciate the naturally evolving state of the potatoes. Right. The last line of this article from some psychologist and friend of Sigmar Polka says, If there's anything that embodies every aspect of the artist that has ever come under discussion, love of innovation, creativity, spontaneity, productivity, creation complete from within oneself, etc., it is the potato. So clearly we can't use fake potatoes has to be the real thing i'm glad this didn't sell this guy is being (laughs) underwritten by big potato (laughs) this is a this is all just a pr stunt (sighs) so i thought way more interesting than hitler but i don't know (laughs) i think that's a fair judgment do we have anything else for monday (laughs) 
Well, they got into a discussion of balding. Um, what was that? Oh, yeah. Uh, an email from Steve on something called the Naked Ape and eating salad, going back to the salad discussion. And I don't know how they transitioned from that. I, You know, I blinked and I missed it. They talk about Flock of Seagulls and the Flock of Seagulls guy hairdo and the fact that he was doing it because he was losing his hair. And then they start talking about uh, Andre Agassi hair and all the crazy uh, lengths he went to to avoid uh, revealing that he was bald. And so Andrew wants to know if it's time for him to shave his head and how does he know? <laughs> and they decide that your partner has to be a truth teller and let you know. <laughs> Christy, you're the expert think... on being the partner of a man with a, a tight haircut. <laughs> well, he came to me that way. I think he started losing his hair when he was like 20. So yeah. I just told him because he used to shave it to make it look like that. What is that thing? I call it a I call it a skullet yes. where you have <laughs> hair around just like ho- trying to hold on to the dream. And I suggested that he just bick the whole thing. I feel like it's disingenuous of us to have this conversation with Mike not on the show. <laughs> Why? He's such a jerk about bald people. <laughs> well, but he's got a, you know, he's got bald a... Bald and short people he thinks are like the worst people on the earth. Yeah, but if you look at Mike's head, he's got some skin in the game. <laughs> because you think he's going bald? Yes. I don't think so. Oh, I think he's I think he's keeping his hair tight because he knows that it's an, an inevitability for him as oh, it is for many men. I, I totally disagree. Interesting. Emily likes a bald guy. That's true. <laughs> he might be saving that shit for when Emily gets sick of him. <laughs> look, look. <laughs> he has, his trump card is that he can shave his head at the, any time. That's what I think is funny, that he hates bald and short people, um, which are two things you definitely cannot help. Right. Well, to be fair, he hates one, one bald and short person, and he's kind of just <laughs> transferred it over to the greater right. population. Okay. Uh, and for everyone listening, it's not Jeremy. No. Um, uh, let's move on to Tuesday, twenty-one sixteen. Spare the sides, spoil the haircut. Speaking of, mm-hmm. uh, we start with a conversation about uh, pre peeled hard-boiled eggs available in the store in a bag ready to go and they are luke's latest shortcut to his low-carb grind have you guys tried these eggs because i have but i want to know if you have no i haven't i hate hard-boiled eggs so i would never have them but i could see that that would be a good shortcut to a snack yeah um Christy, I don't know why you wouldn't want a bag of farts just hanging out in your fridge. (laughs) But uh... well, and also just in those little bags, they're kind of slimy because they put some kind of liquid to keep it kind of fresh. I guess. Yeah. So that grosses me out. Yeah, they're um, they take a little getting used to. I don't buy them regularly, but I do buy them once in a while. We love hard boiled eggs, and we we make hard boiled eggs probably once every week or two. You know, eight to ten at a time. And I'll make egg salad and we'll eat some of them whole. Um, but they're just kind of a pain in the ass. Like, um, the trick is that older eggs are actually easier to hard boil, but sometimes it just doesn't work out that way. And the number of times I've lost half an egg while trying uh-huh. to peel an egg because the shell was stuck to it, um, 
gives me nightmares of when I was a prep cook in a lunch counter kind of place and used to have to do dozens of eggs a day for egg salad. And it's just not worth the fight. Like the cost difference just is, is perfectly acceptable to me to get eggs that are ready to go. <laughs> and I can just grab one slice in half, sprinkle a little salt and pepper on it and walk away. Um, they're very good, but it is definitely a shortcut. I wouldn't disparage them. Um, but they are, they're a little firmer too. Just must be the way they cook them. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to know how they get to where they are, but I actually like them. I have a problem with hard boiled eggs in general. Because I, I actually, I like them a lot, but I have a small hang up is that I always have to break my hard boiled eggs apart because I have a fear that someday if I just bit straight into one, I would chomp down on a chicken fetus. Like if I yes. got an accidentally oh. fertilized egg that was some part of the way through the process. And uh, my mom told me, don't be ridiculous, that'll never happen. And then one day I was making scrambled eggs, and I'm sorry to be a little graphic here, but I cracked an egg into the pan and it came out all bloody. And I was like, oh my God, what is that? And a friend of mine was like, oh yeah, that was just a fertilized egg. So I was like, I knew this could happen. Well, I think you just ruined eggs for everyone forever, Anne. Sorry. I I had the exact same experience. (laughs) I've I've seen... You get a little speck of red in there once in a while. Oh, this was not a speck, Bobby. Mm-hmm. No. Th- this looked like an abortion in, in a pan. Oh, God. I think... And uh, a bobo, as they I was going to say, first of all, the show terminology for this is a bobo. <laughs> and second of all... No a bobo eggs. A- I'll take scrambled eggs. Hold the abobo, please. And your notes say that maybe Andrew should be a vegan. Yes, he's the one that doesn't for like sure. dairy and is kind of weirded out by eggs. He can be he can be a vegan. I mean, hold the meat. Like so he he can be I'm a vegan except for sausage. Just like how I'm a vegetarian except that I eat bacon. <laughs> right. Uh, uh on the shortcut topic, uh Luke also just discovered jar garlic. I don't know mm-hmm. where he's been. It's been in the produce section forever. Um, but my issue with jarred garlic is once you open it and close it a couple of times and put it in the fridge, it makes your entire fridge smell like garlic. Oh, I can uh, imagine. Um, the trick is frozen cubes of garlic, which are amazing. Uh, some grocery stores sell them. I know Trader Joe's sells them. Uh, and one cube is equal to one clove of garlic. And they come in little disposable plastic ice trays, basically. And you pop them in and they melt basically immediately and they do exactly what you want them to do, but they don't stink up your fridge. So there's your pro tip from me. Besides go watch, wait, wait, don't tell me tapings (laughs) Buy frozen garlic. (laughs) And whatever you do, don't punish Luke like in the secretary. That was just a, that's a good movie. It's a great movie, but it's not one I want to imagine reenact by Luke and Andrew. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Uh, Into vacuum talk. Uh, This is the first time in a long time we've talked about vacuum cleaners on TBTL without it being about the stick cam days. Yeah, I mean, when they were talking about it, I was just thinking about that guy. I'm just really sad I didn't get to see. I I would have had double FOMO. I didn't get to see Vacuum Guy, (laughs) but I was at the the live show. I feel like um, if he had a Dyson V6 animal. Oh, God. It would hurt him. Like, he would have to go to the emergency yeah. room. Yeah, I know. Uh, so, this is like a $250 vacuum. 
Is that all? Because I looked on mm-hmm. Amazon and the list was four ninety nine. Oh, I wonder if I. That makes more sense. I wonder if I got the wrong one. It was on sale for like three eighty one or something. Yeah, with okay. Dyson, you just take the normal price of a vacuum and add two hundred dollars. Oh no, you guys are right. Yeah, five hundred dollars. Um, I think the one that I saw um, was one of the lesser models. This is the one that looks like an even beefier handle. Um, but they all kind of look the same to me. It's on sale on Amazon right now for $440.10. Um, Luke is extremely excited about doing housework with his fancy new birthday present. <laughs> I would be. What kind of vacuum do you have, Anne? Well, Bobby, my vacuum cleaner is not only older than me, it may in fact be older than my mother, who gave it to me. <laughs> it's all metal. It. It's an heirloom. Yep. Every once in a while, I'm vacuuming and a metal part falls out the bottom. And I go, mm, does it still suck? And we're fine. It's, one time also, I, it's... I I needed to find belts for it. I was having a hard time. And so I went onto the Hoover uh, website and they said, they have a parts finder. They said, just put in the five digit um, model number. It's on a metal plate on the bottom of the vacuum. I'm like, great. And so I turned it over, looked for the five digit number. It said six. <laughs> just one number the number yep. six yep i was gonna say if it starts falling apart you're just gonna need a new one because well, they don't probably don't make parts for it no anymore. i don't think so so i'm pretty jealous of luke's dyson v6 animal this is when you go to the vacuum cleaner junkyard and you find one and you just pull another part off it and i don't know christy do you, i i could not tell you the kind of vacuum we have i think it might be a dirt devil it works. That's about it. It's a it's a two parter. It's kind of like a canister vacuum, sort of, but newer. Uh, and it it gets the cat fur. That's all I got. Yeah. Uh, mine is uh, whatever the Sears brand is. Okay. Th- th- that's that. Um, <laughs> this actually has me thinking about. Well, you don't have a traditional wedding registry. You have a vacation uh, honeymoon thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. Right, because you guys already have a lifetime's worth of house stuff. Right. So you're not angling for a new vacuum cleaner? You don't want the Dyson V6 Animal as a well, wedding gift? if someone wanted to give that to me, I would definitely take it. Okay. But Or one of those robot things that cleans while you're at work. Oh, the Roomba? The Roomba? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would take one of those, too. Uh, let's get to the meat and potatoes of Tuesday, which is the list of words that people have a problem with when they hear them. They make them uncomfortable. And uh, the top of the list is so heavy that it's actually messing up the data for the rest of the list. <laughs> the rest of the list included words like luggage, crevice, stroke, slacks, and phlegm. But they all live in the shadows of moist. Okay. I don't have a problem with it. You? What about you, Anne? No, not at all. Oh. Yep. Uh, but Andrew did touch on your word, didn't he, Christy? Yes. Oh, he did. Do, do I don't want, want him to ever to touch my word. Or... <laughs> don't care. I think I wrote it in one of the the um, threads that was going on. Right. Because I also, so he mentioned that it was a stand-up comic talked about how the two worst words are moist and then the P word. Um, and <laughs> someone said, I I have totally seen this 
stand up and I have too. And when he was talking about it, I almost actually saw the person. Um, and I can't, I can't figure it out. And people have said, oh, it's Dane Cook. But he only just talked about moist. Right. So, which that's actually a funny little bit where he says that someone in the audience says, oh, it's the oist. It's the oist part. <laughs> so that's a pretty, pretty funny bit. But I can't figure it out. And also, don't Google moist panties while at work. Gross. Just don't. <laughs> Just don't do it. <laughs> because I was like, I need to figure out who said it. Yeah, don't do that. That's a regretful Google search. Um, it's not in my notes on the run sheet, so I have to try to recall this correctly. But I think it was, did they mention Lindsay Lohan at some point? I don't know. Or don't something remember. like that. I, I think they may have. And it was something about that word and her. And that is another combination that you don't Google. Oh, <laughs> Just Lindsay Lohan with anything. Terrible things come up. <laughs> Well, I don't have a problem with moist because it's just a collection of syllables. Well, one syllable. I guess it's a collection of consonants and vowels. (laughs) And so whatever anybody puts onto that is their own thing. But I dislike the word panties and not because of the word itself, but because it is part of the infantilization of women. Yes. Thank you. That's my exact same thing. Is It's supposed to be sexy and yet childlike at the same time. And those things should never meet. Mm Mm-hmm. And that is why I have a problem with it. I agree. That's why I'm never going to ask you about your under things. Yeah. Well, just don't anyways. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, and there is one other thing about the word moist. Uh, tell me, what were you doing before you came on to pod with us today? I was baking a cake. Uh, I need to need to hear about this cake. Oh, it's uh, called a shadow cake cake shadow something cake i forget it's a chocolate cake with uh what amounts to a marshmallow frosting marshmallowy meringue frosting with a chocolate glaze on the top and i imagine Mm. it's not a dry cake no i don't think it is a dry cake i i wish (laughs) i wish there was a good word to describe the state of this cake um and have you ever seen the movie waitress Yes. Are you kind of like her, but with cakes? Mm, in that I have an abusive husband? No. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Just all these great cakes that you make sound so fabulous. Mm, I, I don't know that I bake to resolve my emotional anxieties, but no. I have fun doing it. That's good. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before we move on, I, I have a public service announcement. Uh, at the end of this episode, after... And nailed it. And after the music ends and after whatever goofy thing ends up being the Easter egg, um, I am going to insert at the end of this episode, courtesy of Lynn Pham. um, We haven't asked your permission, Lynn, so I hope you don't mind. But Lynn took the uh, initiative to create a supercut from Tuesday's show featuring every time one of the guys uses the word moist. did I read correctly somewhere or hear correctly somewhere that Lynn said he didn't have a problem with the word moist until after doing the supercut? <laughs> <laughs> I think I saw I think that. Any somewhere. word becomes like that. Right. <laughs> so uh if if that's gonna bother you, uh just kill the podcast after the end of the, the theme song and spare yourself uh, after the end of the outro song, spare yourself, but just know that that's gonna be there. Uh 
Tuesday ended out with a conversation about reciprocal friends. This was this bullshit study yes. about how half of the people you consider friends wouldn't consider you a friend. Um, I'm podcasting with two wonderful ladies today that I would consider my friend, and one of you is going to break my heart. <laughs> <laughs> that was such a bullshit story. I We had covered it on Nerd Out Loud, and Jeremy read it to me, and I was like, nope, nope, not true. Yep. You can't. I mean, we we don't need to go into it, but basically you can't um, study only less than, what was it? At first it was a hundred, a thousand people, but then it got down to like less than two digits and undergrads, like kids in their late teens and early twenties are idiots, first of all, and only studying one class of people, you're only going to have a couple friends in there. Mm-hmm. And Meredith pointed out that this particular journal is the... P L O S plus that is a a pay to publish journal. So yeah. if you have the money, you can publish your study. Bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs> to Wednesday. Um Wednesday is twenty one seventeen, Aimsing the Police, um, where they still are talking about friends and people talking about them behind their back. Which is Luke's one of Luke's biggest fears. I think it's a lot of people's fears, so it's not just Luke. Um, where he talked about why he can't listen to this show because it's a lot of eye roll suppression, hard eye rolls, as he said, um, and that Andrew called it a um, roast, basically that we roast them, and then that made me think of roast versus recap. What do you guys think? Well, I'm not going to lie and say that I never roll my eyes at Luke (laughs) when he talks about things like how you may as well not vote because it doesn't really matter. Right. Or how about how the Pope is bullshit and anybody that believes that the Pope is holy is an idiot. I mean, that Beyonce is violent, but Kanye West isn't. Right. He he says a lot of stuff that do make me roll my eyes. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a difference, and I don't know if I'm, I'm cutting it too finely, between criticism and being critical. I do think that we criticize him sometimes, but none of us would be doing this if we didn't love him. Mm-hmm. I'm not hate listening to TVTL. <laughs> yeah, I. so the eye roll suppression was also, he said that all of his loved ones probably have that. And I just picture him calling Carrie and saying, well, I lost all my forms of ID and now I have to drive across the country. And as she told us, her response was, yep, that's about right. (laughs) Call me when you're in Montana. (laughs) It's a lot easier to ignore somebody's eye roll when you give them bad news over the phone. (laughs) Uh, We are a recap show. We wouldn't listen to little to TVTL if we didn't love Luke and Andrew and TVTL. We've had this discussion before because this has sort of come up in different ways before. But I'm going to steal Mike's answer because he's not here to say it from when he and I talked about this. Um, if TV, if Little Red Bandwagon was a roast of Luke and TVTL, they'd know, and we would be bringing our A game. If you watch a good roast, they're just teeing off for punchlines at people's expense the whole mm-hmm. time, and. If we all put our minds to ripping Luke and Andrew down every week and creating some tight stand-up material about it, we would do it. Like, you would know if we were roasting you because, you know, we have our moments of being funny. Uh, We would be trying a lot harder. 
And I think everybody has, not. yeah, everybody has their foibles and their little ridiculosities, but Luke and to a lesser extent, Andrew broadcast those five days a week and right. we can still like them as people, but then express how silly they are sometimes. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, we were all a little rankled when this happened. I think we all went and listened to it and we're a little annoyed because we felt like that was a mischaracterization, but, uh, uh, we love you guys, and uh, we're going to keep supporting TVTL and uh, pull your heads out of your asses. Yeah. I wasn't yeah. annoyed because I I think that if there was a show doing this to me, like even saying the things that I've said, that I wouldn't listen and I would I would feel insecure about it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Such comes with fame. <laughs> um, so then, then they talk about how they went to the Horseshoe Cafe, which was definitely one of my haunts back in college, um, where you could get a $5 breakfast at two o'clock in the morning when the bars closed. And it was nice. terrible. It was, I mean, the place was just like, you don't go to the bathroom because you don't want to know. Don't look in the kitchen. Um, <laughs> but the food is exactly what you need when you're drunk eating. To, to almost try to sober up so you can walk home. Um, and so I'm sad that they've remodeled it. I want to go see and see exactly. And hopefully they didn't get rid of that grease trap because that probably is what made the food so good <laughs> slash terrible. <laughs> um, they, the top story was they talked about Facebook suppressing conservative views, um, showing you what you want. And um, this could be something that's happening, but... According to my Facebook, it isn't. <laughs> I mean, most of the time I get rid of people, but uh, just like, um, I mean, I'm not going to compare myself to their level of fame, but um, like we, I know like Bobby and I and Anne, we, we accept anyone who friend requests us, especially if we look and see, oh, they're mutual friends with Andrew and Mike and everyone. So, the, oh, they're a 10. So we take them. Well, taking everyone, you don't get that filter in life. And also you don't get to filter out your family. Well, you can, but. <laughs> <laughs> so I just use the handy unfollow, which doesn't mean unfriend. They're still there. You just don't watch. Right. You don't see. <laughs> I, I have a friend um, who, who's a really good friend, but she isn't. Um, she's a crazy animal advocate, which I, I also am for animal rights or whatever, but she posts these things of abused animals or like people hunting big game and just the bloodied animal. And I can't handle it. I can't, I can't handle when she goes on a rampage and is just showing bloody animals all over the place, um, trying to shame the people. So I had to unfollow her. I don't blame you. Yeah. yeah. It's, just, it's just too bad. Um, my biggest issue with this story is that they're looking at Facebook like it's journalism and it's right. not, <laughs> you know, um, I, I don't know that there was ever a guarantee that the trending stories weren't being curated by people with tastes and preferences. Like I just, I never thought of it as being purely an algorithm. You know, it's, it's Facebook, it's a private company. This is the same argument people have with, with sharing information and being protective of their information on Facebook. It's a private enterprise. Um, if you don't want your shit to be on Facebook or to possibly be used by Facebook, then don't post it to Facebook. Mm -hmm. um, go read an actual newspaper, you dummies. 
End of well, it's it's a it's a news source as much as Twitter is, where it's crowdsource half of it's crowd crowdsource and half of it is definitely trending. If you look on the right side of Facebook, you'll see the actual news stories that are happening. It doesn't happen so much when you're looking at your phone. Um, but they definitely want to be. I mean, they ha- came out with a whole video of how to search Facebook for news stories recently. Yep. And do you do that? Because I don't pay any attention to the trending topics I, whatsoever. I've never clicked so on one. What I do is only if I'm in Facebook as a compu- like on my computer, but that's so rare. I mean, like today, right now, um, Anthony Keenis of Red Hot Chili Peppers is hospitalized. That's a trending topic. I didn't know he was alive, so that's pretty interesting. <laughs> and if you click on it and look at pictures, he might not be alive. <laughs> He's so scary looking. <laughs> so, and then um, lastly, we have that Theo has tasted the sweet taste of freedom. And he wants out. Uh-oh. I I liked Genevieve's... Um, it might be an okay solution of having it, letting him be on the patio and just smelling the fresh air. I mean, cats want to be outside, right? Yeah. I don't know. Well, Cupcake is lazy. I mean, if we leave the door open long enough, she might mosey out. <laughs> but, um, you know, she's not a runner. Like, we don't have to, like... We don't have to make sure the door closes immediately behind us when we're coming in or else she's going to bolt. I've had cats like that. Mm-hmm. Um, she wants to lay in the sun as it comes through the window. That's plenty for her. I've uh, Anytime I've had a cat, it's been an outdoor, indoor, outdoor cat. So I don't really understand. I mean, I know it lessens their life um, because my childhood cat was murdered by um, raccoons. So I know, I know that that is a thing. But he was so much happier being outdoors, too. Yeah, but it's a big bad world. We have an indoor cat. I get it. (laughs) I really liked that uh, they referred to him as El Theo, as in El Chapo. (laughs) He's making a break for freedom. He's digging out his tunnel from his Mexican prison. Oh, just wait till the door stays open a little bit, too. He's ready. Yep. Yeah. Um, And you want to take us to Texas? (laughs) Let's go to Texas. Episode 2118, It's Scooter O'Clock Somewhere. Which, for being the title of that show, there's surprisingly little scooter talk. Yeah. Yeah. So Luke is en route from Portland to Dallas to Amarillo to Clarendon, Texas, to do an interview with the guy who drives the stagecoach delivering mail to kids, which is an interesting story we'll hear more about tomorrow. Um, I want to mention as long as we're talking about geography, that he does drive through Goodnight, Texas during the conversation. And I loved the quote from Wikipedia about Charles Goodnight. He approached greatness more nearly than any other cowman of history, (laughs) which is such a good endorsement. So good. And Luke was describing the terrain as grain silos and windmills, which is cute. I think he means wind turbines, which is kind of a different thing. And then he made me the most annoyed I've been at him in a long time when he started talking about how he was 
attempting to life hack American Airlines reservation system ever since he booked his flight. In my notes, I just wrote, ah, because I couldn't take it. Are you annoyed with the fact that he used the term life hack because I am or because he was being annoying to the people that work there or both? Yes. yes and yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that he immediately tried to uh, change his seat assignment from middle seat to aisle seat and badgered the poor American Airlines lady who was just sticking to her script and trying mm-hmm. to explain to him what the rules are. And he expressed that he feels like he has to get something. This is mm-hmm. such a male thing. Sorry, Bobby, but... Like, they always have to feel like they've won in some way. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I was really upset to hear that the morning of his flight, he hopped on to the website and there was an aisle seat available and he took it. So there's rewarding that kind of behavior again. But, but I did like how he said his hand was hovering over the button like the president's over the nuclear weapons. Yeah. And then, of course, that he had to check to see the situation that he had gotten better. Right. One better. <laughs> so then the next part of the story was about how he was sitting next to a lady on the long flight uh, who was was had some extra poundage. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. He specified that it wasn't a, a big problem for him but that it looked like she would be more comfortable if they put the armrest up and he had no problem and he asked her if she'd like him to do that and she said no but he did it anyways which I'm not sure how I feel about it it was a nice gesture for him to do that but maybe he should have taken her at her word I would much rather be stuck in between the armrests than wedged in next to someone (laughs) Uh, as great as the frottage benefits would be. <laughs> uh, I always keep the armrests down. I just, I like having the demarcation of my space so that I don't feel like I'm invading someone else's. And I say that as someone who is a little bit wider and and fills my seat. You know, width-wise, those seats are really narrow and it can be uncomfortable, but... You also sort of get used to it after a while. You just sort of wedge yourself in there and you'd be fine. Yeah, what was he going on about, about how he was only taking up three quarters of his seat so he could afford to share some with her? That is mm. not the uh, the words of somebody who has body image problems going on there. If you're bragging about <laughs> how skinny you are in the airline seat. <laughs> yeah, depending, but, on, depending on where you wear your weight, too, I mean, you could be heavier or not heavier but just have a wider waist and i mean nobody is particularly comfortable in a coach seat on an airplane i mean it's just not they're not it's not spacious it doesn't matter unless you're a kid or a really skinny lady or or man uh you know just a normal with person is going to take up most of their seat (laughs) so after he put the armrest up and it fell down on her and hurt her funny bone (laughs) Then he creeped on her reading material and he said, quote, I promise you it wasn't creepy. (laughs) (laughs) And I want to say that it was definitely creepy. First of all, he said she didn't know because he was wearing sunglasses. And I want to know who wears sunglasses on the plane. Really hungover people. Yeah. (laughs) It's the only group of people I can think of who wear sunglasses on flights. (laughs) Well, Bobby, you're always wearing your sunglasses. That's true. And you love to hate transition lenses. 
But I like to think that my transitions are pretty good. So if I'm in a lit plane, it's not going to look like I'm wearing my sunglasses. (laughs) So, okay. I don't know. It was just a weird thing all around. And I felt like he was engaging in some behavior that I'm not sure I care for. Not bad behavior, but just he was being really weird about this whole flight situation. I don't know. So we can go back to, um, I don't forget how they got into this discussion about driving past your old living places. Oh, I know. It was because Andrew took the scooter in to get it road ready and went past the old place. And uh, they talk about when you revisit your old haunts, do you want them to look the same or better, probably not better or worse than when you were there? I don't know that I have a a preference on this. I was thinking about it a lot because um, especially like if I'm back in Buffalo, I'll spin past my old apartments, but you're not invested in the same way in an apartment as you are a house. Um, I just get, I mean, I get nostalgic about the memories, but I don't really care. Like I, I would hate to see it disappear, but short of that, I don't know that I care too much. I like to, I drive by my house all the time in Redmond. Um, but my mom gets really upset and she'll say, well, they moved my rose bushes. <laughs> I'm like, you haven't lived there. We sold it 10 years ago. Like, is it really yours anymore? <laughs> yeah, I think you can get sort of offended about when your personal taste issues have been interfered with. Yeah. She's actually gone when it was on for sale at one point because I think it foreclosed or something or short sale. She actually went and stole something from <laughs> Like outside, like some kind of landscaping thing that she had left there. (laughs) So finally, uh, Luke ends up in Clarendon, and we have a quick tour of town, including the It'll Do Motel and Grumpy's Pizza and reviews. Mm -hmm. And Luke says, don't complain about service at a place called Grumpy's. Yeah. Yeah. Which is true. I totally agree. I like this town. This town's not putting on airs. You go from Grumpy's Pizza to the It'll Do. It's got nowhere to go but up. <laughs> For sure. But I think that was all of the town, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty much it. There's, what, 2,000 people there or something? Mm-hmm. But they have a radio station. Yes, they do. That might actually have less listeners than TBTL. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. Uh Chris, do you want to continue our Texas adventure? Sure. Um, text, or sorry, Friday was 2119. Ooh la la, y'all. Which was one of my favorite <laughs> titles. Um, as a lover of Cisco, um, I loved this. So we get introduced to Cowboy Rick. And Rick is the cowboy version of Cisco. So I really need to see a picture of this. I'm sure we could Google it. I should have looked that up. Well, we're going to have um, to watch the CBS thing when it comes out. Yeah. Has he said when it will come out? No, I don't think he ever knows. No. Oh, okay. Because that race to random. Alaska one's still sitting out there somewhere too, isn't it? I just ran, I just wait for East Coast Tens to post and say, he's on now. And then I, <laughs> <laughs> I jump on it three hours later. Um, let's see. So he tells the story of one of uh, Champ the Horse, who's driving driving this um stagecoach which the stagecoach is taking the mail from one city to the next um 
for children, which I think is such a great idea and so cute. I can just imagine all that happening. I love because Jen had put together a pen pals, a 10 pals thing. And I loved doing that, getting written mail in my mailbox. Did you did you guys participate in that? Mm-mm. I did. Uh, and my 10 pal is Kate Bergstrom. So oh. hi, Kate. Oh. <laughs> did you actually? Um, well, so. Bobby, did you guys email each other or how did you do the do yours? No, we wrote letters back and forth. Okay. And then I think after we met, met. in person <laughs> last summer, that was when we were like, oh, we're just going to be normal friends now because we've met. <laughs> did you did you handwrite <laughs> them out? We did a few letters. Did you handwrite them out? No, I think we both mutually agreed that for one another's benefit, um, that would be a terrible idea. So my pen pal had all these rules that were like, we wrote, we had to write everything out. And I was so scared of spelling errors or saying the <laughs> same thing that I had already said, because it would take so long. It was like an exchange would be, I would send one and then he would take like two to three weeks to send one back. Um, so I would actually type it all out on a computer and then trans transfer it to written and then save wow. that so that I knew what I had talked about before. <laughs> But he was at the time I had a blog and he wouldn't read my blog because he's like, I want to keep it. I, I just want to keep it to pen pal. And he wouldn't be friends with me on Facebook. Oh, uh, I think there's a timeline thing worth addressing here. I think you're talking about you're talking about the first time around when yes. Jen instituted pen pals. Yes. And Kate and I actually became pen pals. The second wave oh, okay. a listener oh. who actually launched that initiative and then disappeared into the ether not much long after <laughs> um hooked us all up and then just poof vanished so um, part of it part of the first one it was shira in new orleans had taken jen had come up with the idea and then shira took it on as a project and you would say like how old you are what are your interests i mean she like full-on created something and then are you single do you want to be hooked up with another person that's single yep um, so it was kind of a, a, a love connection thing at the same time. I participated that time too, and I got a name, and it was a guy, and he was supposed to write first, and I never got anything. Oh, yeah, so a lot of that fizzled. happened, I yeah. heard. <laughs> and I loved the, the story that Champ the horse is in his free time, a um, takes a, a paralyzed Amish girl to school, and... Um, Luke called it the Amish version of a Jetta and that everyone at <laughs> her school is probably very jealous of this. <laughs> yes. This was it, champ of diamond champ, Rocky and I forget. <laughs> yeah. I forget. I wish its name really was. I forget. Cause that does sound like a racehorse. Um, they were all wearing rattlesnake protection on, on their calves and they had guns. Yep. Luke was definitely out of his element on this one. <laughs> yeah. Um, we learn that Luke has learned that Republicans are people too. <laughs> um, and what's really funny about this, this um, Luke's enlightenment of this is that he used to be a Republican. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still looking for, I really want someone to find the article that he wrote into, was it Ranger Rick? It was like a kid's magazine back in the day that he wrote a conservative letter to that. Do you guys remember this story? I do remember it. Yeah. I, someone needs to find it. I need to see a Lu young Luke Burbank ranting in that. Um, 
let's see. Clinton, uh, Hillary Clinton has said that she is not opposed to thinking that there's alien life. What do you guys think about this? What's your take on aliens? I liked what the guy said and that maybe it's that I'm alien agnostic. I don't know, <laughs> but I'm not willing to rule it out. Right. I mean, right. The, the vastness of space, God only knows. And I do like that they specified that they may take the form of something that we haven't thought of. Like they always right. get so excited when they find evidence of water on somewhere because it could indicate life. But I'm like, well, but what if it's not life that, needs water what needs if water. it's something else right yeah uh exactly. well you don't know what you don't know i mean that's what donald rumsfeld taught us so <laughs> we have to kind of work within the parameters of what we have it's actually an old acquaintance of mine uh someone who was at my friend a few years ago who was on the research team who had that latest water mars discovery and that's a big deal because we could go to Mars. We could live there. Yeah. Right. We could make water or have water there, hopefully, if, if they can figure that out. But I had the same question. I've always had the same question. Like, how do we know alien life isn't going to be just some cloud of gas that looks like hydrogen to us or, or breathes something toxic to humans or, mm-hmm. or doesn't breathe at all? Like, it's just a completely different thing that we've never known to know. Or um, just cells. Uh, right. I would say George Norrie is a terrible pick for vice president, but I would totally vote our bill for vice president. <laughs> well, so what what got me interested in this is that um, if it was just anyone else, Trump or, or anyone that's not been close to it, I'd say ah, they're just trying to trying to get the um, what is it called that that show? X-Files? No. That everyone um, oh, coast to coast, coast to coast. They're trying to get the coast to coast crazies um, on their side or whatever. But here's the thing: Bill Clinton knows all the secrets. <laughs> That's true. That's all I'm saying. She's slept with the person that knows all the secrets. They also have a lot of other people. <laughs> I know, true. But I'm just saying. Well, if Monica Lewinsky was running, I would say the same thing. <laughs> um, and Luke is going to in for the sake of the show eat a 4.5 pound steak in one hour <laughs> it's a 72 pound steak challenge i this made me hungry so would you do it would you try it bobby um we've had a lot of food conversations on this show and others um i don't think i could finish a 72 pound steak i like steak but i don't love meat that much like red meat that much um that that's a lot of that's a lot of steak. Although, if I'm Luke and I'm getting it well done, it's probably only about 40 <laughs> ounces of steak after all the moisture is driven out of it. Oh, true. Well done. Oh, man. <laughs> I can't even fathom how big of a steak that – what that would look like. It's not – well, I mean, this is a Google a, a Googleable thing. <laughs> I know, but I, I don't eat meat, so it doesn't make sense to me anyways. Because four pounds doesn't sound like a lot. Right. But – of as, pure meat, as I someone, guess. As someone who's watched a lot of um, man versus food and similar type shows, uh, I will say uh, four to five pounds is the is the far end of the one sitting range of any food. You get over the five pound mark, and it's really difficult. Um, but I would say with the seventy two on steak, half the problem is: is it thick or is it wide? Because I like my steaks medium, but I like char. 
And so if you get a thick steak, you're going to have a lot less char than if you get sort of a thin, wide steak. Uh, I'd want to pick my cut on something like this. Have you guys ever seen The Great Outdoors? No. No. John Candy. In it, he he has to eat a 96-ounce steak within a certain amount of time. And he he finishes it, and they say, no, you have to eat the gristle and the fat, too. (laughs) And it's just like, whoa. (laughs) Definitely look up that scene. Because that's what I thought of. I'm going to say I could do this. I'm looking at some pictures. Yeah. Okay. Listen, you put a challenge in front of me. We make this a competition. True. (laughs) I think you and Bobby should go for it. Uh, All right. So when we all get to Minneapolis, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying I'm going to do it. I'm saying I think I could do it. Well, we need to find a place in Minneapolis that does food challenges like this. Line up some steaks. <laughs> I just like I watched the Man Against Food for the first time, and I was just so sickened by the excess and the disgustingness of all of it that it it was like a horror show for me. Well, I mean, yes, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have uh, I don't have a good backup for that. I mean, the amusing part is. Um, you know, I like those kinds of restaurants. I like those dinery, drive-in-y, divey type restaurants. So uh, I can appreciate those kinds of shows for that. But, I mean, the excess is just ridiculous. You're right. Yeah. That's all I have for Friday. Is anyone else? Oh, we have to talk about the circus room. Okay. <laughs> just quickly, speaking of loving divey places. Uh, <laughs> yes, also, the first thing I thought when he said the circus room was strip club. Because that's <laughs> oh, really? a combination of divey and entertainment. Um, okay. But I think I looked it up and it looks like it is just a bar. So I'm hoping we get an update. I hope he went between the steak and the circus room. I hope he had a drink at the circus room because the steak's a terrible idea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's all. I hope we get an update on that this week. Uh, I also forgot to write down music for your weekend. So uh, go read the newsletter. <laughs> and that's where you'll get it. Uh, housekeeping, archiving, Christy. It's been a while since we've had a formal archive update. Um, do we need to remind people to finish up their weeks if they're in a yes. certain year or finish up your weeks um also i would love to have people volunteer to take current because you're already listening um if you want to do active listening it would be great if you could take current weeks because we're already in 2016 um we're in february that i've assigned out so it would be nice um people have complained that the newer shows are very difficult to do because they're longer and you've already listened to it. Ugh, get over it. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so also if you'd like a special project where, um, you do the radio shows, those ones I've kind of held back. Um, so if you'd like to do those, it's a little bit different of a process. So I'd have to walk you through that. But so just go ahead and send me an email if you want to volunteer, but do your weeks. And I am sympathetic to people who are having trouble with the um, more recent weeks because I'm stuck on a week and the Monday episode was two hours and I thought it would never end. (laughs) Four out of the five episodes are an hour and a half or longer. And I'm like, oh, my God, how am I going to do this? But we do these things because they need to be done, people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It will be so great when it's all done. Yep. Yep. All right. Let's move on to the live show. Uh, Saturday, June 11th at 8 p.m. 
at American Legion Post 577 in St. Paul, Minnesota. Luke and Andrew will be doing a live recording of the show. Tickets are available through, yes, through the tbtl.net website <laughs> at a link toward the top. It's also pinned at the top of the Stens page and our page, and it's readily available out there. Tickets are 20 bucks, and you should buy one and come. And if you're traveling, you should travel. I will be there. Uh, and you're going to be there. Of course, for you, mm-hmm. it's in your neighborhood. Uh, it's 10 minutes. <laughs> Christy? Yes, working I'll be on there. It. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're going to have some good LRB representation there. Um, who was I just talking to? Um, uh, a couple of us are all staying down near the airport Mall of America area. Uh, Amy Shepard and Ashley Gilliam and I are all staying at the same cheap hotel and are going to carpool up to the show together. Uh, the little red carpool. So we get a couple of seats left. <laughs> if you want to stay down by the airport and do that and feel free to shoot me a message. If you want to find out how we got our $50 a night rooms at the La Quinta Inn <laughs> through the, That's a good price, deal. we did the price line, name your own price thing. Mm-hmm. I always go back and forth about trips like this. Do I want to stay in a nice hotel downtown and be able to walk to stuff? Or do I want to stay away from downtown somewhere cheap and get a rental car. And I, I usually end up choosing the rental car because I don't really care where I sleep and I can just go plot myself in whatever neighborhood I want to be in. So uh, I'll have a rental car and I'm going to shuttle us back and forth for the sake of uh, getting to the Legion, which is not quite on the green line. Is it? I think. No, it's North. Yeah. So, you know, feel free to message me if you want to jump in or you want some cheap hunting hotel advice. Uh, but I hope people make it out because uh, if we don't, Andrew's going to bitch about having to sweep without any help. <laughs> uh, and speaking of getting involved, it's not just about cleaning house. Uh, LittleRedBandwagon.com is where you'll find us online. Facebook at the Stens page and Little Red Bandwagon. I'm at RL Pape on Twitter. Miss Anne is not on Twitter, but you can friend her. Uh, LittleRedBandwagon.com slash friend Anne. Christy is on Twitter at Kissy Eyes, K-I-S-S-I-E-Y-E-S. Meredith is at Meredith underscore Mahan, M-A-H-A-N. Mike's at Drew McFrizz. Jeremy's at Dadstronaut. The show is at LRB Podcast. Email us at littleredbandwagon at gmail.com. We have a voicemail line. Yo, this is Wagoneer Lauren. Word on the street is the LRB isn't getting many voicemails, and it's probably because their number doesn't have a catchy jingle. So I wrote a rap about it. Well, my name is Lauren and I'm here to say the LRB needs your calls in a major way. You've got Meredith and Bobby and Mike Frizzell. And while Christy's on sabbatical, there's Anne as well. They're all patiently waiting for the phone to ring with your episode submissions. It don't cost a thing. Just dial 802-432-TBTL. That's 802-432-TBTL. 802-432-TBTL. 8285 is the last four digits if you dummies can't spell. Peace. And it'd be nice if somebody would actually use it once in a while because we plug it every <laughs> week, but we never get any voicemails. And what about dad jokes? Can somebody call in with dad jokes? Yes. Don't bite my rhyme, and <laughs> Because I was thinking maybe there are some people that don't feel confident don't know what to in say. submitting a jingle, and so maybe they could just call with the dad joke. We should do what the New Yorker does, and we should put um, a premise out there waiting for a punchline, just the way they put a cartoon out there waiting for a caption, and we should have people write in with their punchlines. Yeah, that, I would like that. Uh, we'll put a pin in that. I'll see if I can come up with something. Uh, Christy, what's on deck for Nerd Out Loud tonight? 
Um, I don't know because we haven't um, recorded it yet, <laughs> but you should listen because it will be awesome. And I do have another story of my mom being heinous at the wedding <laughs> that I had Great. forgot. I forgot to say last week. <laughs> Back to that as soon well, as it's we, so deep. Yeah. After we turned off the mice, I was like, damn it! This was the best one! So, yeah. I Tune have a feeling that. stories of Jeremy being a good guy by helping his friend who's had uh, cancer uh, mm-hmm. move and then being outmanned by an army of firefighters. Of hot firefighters, yes. <laughs> Might have something to do with the show. So yes. I'm already looking forward to those stories. Yes. Uh, and with that, Christy, why don't you get us out of here? Until next time, this is the next party. We love you, Jen. Yelled it? Is that put it on me? <laughs> yes. <laughs> should it really be a question? Yeah, I liked it. <laughs> you should keep that. <laughs> moist, 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 moist. Moist, 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 mo